Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Five Easy Things, the podcast. I'm Yolanda Albergati, your host. I am coming at you live from Golden Ox Studios here in Cleveland, Ohio. So glad to have you on this journey where we discover and explore five actionable tips or hacks to help you live your best life. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button and also leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Special orders, curbside parcel pickup, delivery service, online ordering. We wrote the book on customer service. Well, we didn't write the book on it, but we've been doing that and more since 1946. Check us out. Chuck's Fine Wines, the legendary Chagrin Valley destination for 76 years. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Super excited to have my next guest with me, Jared Reynolds. Hey, Jared. Hey, Yolanda. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Keeping busy. Awesome. Busy is good. So tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and how they can reach you. My name is Jared Reynolds. I'm an attorney and founding member of RM Law Group, LLC. I focus my practice on personal injury, wrongful death, medical malpractice, and I also focus a lot of my practice on nursing home abuse cases. Uh, My direct line is 312-508-3296, and my email address is jr at rmazonmatthewlawfirm.com. Easy. So tell us, what are you going to share with us today? What five things are you going to share? Today, I thought I would share five easy ways to prevent uh, suffering from nursing home abuse. This is important stuff right here. I'm, I'm glad you're sharing that. Um, jump right in whenever you're ready. Sure. Uh, so inherently, uh, along the lines of being busy, as you might imagine, it's been a pretty horrible year for individuals who have been in, in nursing homes. And a lot of that's because of the sort of inability for their loved ones and and families to even be able to visit them this year, which has really been one of the just horrific parts and sort of not talked about as much parts of of this pandemic is you have all of this very vulnerable population that aren't even able to be visited by their loved ones in in these times of need. And so uh, a lot of these things sort of jump back and forth between pre-pandemic, during pandemic, hopefully post-pandemic. But one of the first things that I always try to tell my clients, and I I often talk to both clients who have been dealing with an ongoing issue or are just curious and want to talk to somebody before they uh, put a loved one into a nursing home. And so the, the first piece of advice that I always give is Uh, understanding the limitations nowadays, but to the extent possible, visit as much as possible. Um, And what I always try to tell my clients is you don't want uh, the nursing home staff to really predict or be able to know when you visit. Lots of times, if you're going to be visiting your mom or your dad every 
other day at 3 p.m., you can guarantee that things are probably going to look pretty good every other day at 3 p.m. But the, the problem is that it's the other 23 hours of a day that you, you have to worry about the the care and the treatment that they're receiving. And so I always try to tell my clients, keep it unpredictable, kind of keep the staff on their toes. Uh, nowadays, especially understanding that nursing homes and staff have a lot going on and they understandably, it's been a very tough year for them, but they do still have responsibilities to the people that they're taking care of. And the more and more you're able to visit, make FaceTime and nowadays, whether it's making calls, FaceTime, window visits, just being able to get eyes on your loved one, that's always a great first step, especially uh, to ensure that they're receiving their medications, receiving the treatments that they need. If your loved one's somebody who potentially needs some help moving around, making sure that they're getting that assistance to move around. A big issue that I prosecute a lot of cases for are bed sore cases. Mm. And that's really one of the more horrific things that nursing home residents can deal with because they're incredibly avoidable. It really is a matter of just helping the residents offload pressure from the various bony prominences that people have on their body. Lots of times people develop sores on their hips uh, and very commonly on their backside or what we call the the sacrum or the coccyx area. And that's often because lots of times people are, are just left laying on their backside for hours and hours on end. So the more and more you can visit, the better chances you are to be able to get attention needed to your loved ones. Wow, that's great advice. So I never would have thought of that um, not being predictable thing. That's great. Really good. Yeah, and, and like I said, I know it's it's unfortunate nowadays that you're not able to always be in person. I'm hoping that's changing, especially with thankfully I'd say the vast majority of the nursing home population is finally getting vaccinated. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I have heard that in-person visitations have been opening up, not quite as open season as they used to be able to be, but to the extent possible, always making sure that you're able to get in and visit. And if not, making sure that inherently a lot of my clients uh, either may have their wits with them, but some of them, unfortunately are suffering from dementia or suffering from Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So their ability to sort of take initiative on their own to give their family members a call isn't always possible. So the more and more you're able to sort of take the initiative and it, it may sound annoying to say, but kind of be a bit of a pest sometimes. Uh, at the end of the day, it's your loved one and the nursing homes being paid quite a bit of money to take care of them. And they ultimately have a duty to the family if they ever feel like they can't keep one of their residents safe or if they feel like they no longer can provide them the care or the treatment that they need due to various health conditions, they have a duty to say so. And they have a duty to transfer them to a more acute or a more skilled uh, nursing facility that can handle those needs. Great advice. What's, uh, What's number two? Number two, I always say, ask questions and ask a lot of questions. One of the biggest concerns and complaints I get from either existing clients or potential clients are they really just feel like there's a breakdown in communication between the staff and the family. And 
of course the the staff are busy and sometimes there there's certain families that may sort of never give them a break at all and, and expect above and beyond which as you should expect for your for your loved ones but lots of times it's a matter of making sure you're asking pointed questions and also making clear and which kind of leads to my third point which I'll talk about a bit later but making sure you're clear as to who you're talking to and keeping track of who you're talking to uh, inherently for these types of cases depending on the state so I practice primarily in Illinois I'm in the process of getting licensed in Utah and New York but I'm always interested and happy to work with attorneys across the country depending on where the case is. So I have a number of contacts in Ohio who I work with on a regular basis if the case is in Ohio. Uh, it's really a matter of being a resource no matter where I'm at and wherever the case is. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to questions, being very clear about the types of medications that your loved ones are receiving. Lots of times there's a huge crisis and scandal of nursing home residents being over-medicated because frankly, it's easier to take somebody that's highly medicated or over-medicated and just laying in bed than somebody that may be a bit more uh, riled up and jumping around. And you, you, it inherently requires a bit more supervision to look at somebody who maybe isn't of sound mind, but doesn't necessarily need opioids. But it sure is easier to take some take care of somebody who's just laying in bed on opioids. So, mm -hmm. being very clear on what medications your loved ones are actually receiving is a huge first step, and also being clear at the type of treatments that they're receiving. Inherently, a lot of my clients, we're not trying to claim that they're running marathons or that they're of pristine health. They're they're inherently in the nursing home for some sort of reason. But that reason is something that the nursing home should address. There's sort of a three-step process that the nursing home has to go through for each and every resident. And that's that they have to first assess the individual. They have to know what their uh, previous medical history or what we call comorbidities are. And in assessing those uh, comorbidities and different risk factors that they have, you need to then make a plan. So if somebody has dementia, they're, they're inherently more at risk to really not be able to make decisions for their own best health and being able to ensure that they're uh, getting risk or getting different things in place to help ensure that they don't fall or to help ensure that they're moving off of those bony prominences like I discussed earlier that's a huge part of a plan for somebody like that. And then the last step is really implementing that plan. The plan is useless if you don't actually put it to use. And usually with most of my cases, I find that there's some sort of breakdown in that three-step process. And that's really where uh, these types of injuries that I primarily see occur. Mm. I hear uh, a reoccurring theme here. It's really being proactive. You know, I, I think uh, it's funny you mentioned some people are really on it and they're constantly in the face of the staff and then other people feel like they're being a nuisance and um, you're not being a nuisance. It, it's expensive to have your child, your, uh, your loved one in, in a facility. It's not cheap and, and you should be getting what you pay for, you know, which is proper care. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And unfortunately, you do see a trend where inherently there are certain subsets of the population that are more susceptible to nursing home abuse, because as you might imagine, the people that are able to pay for the absolute best care are more likely to receive that type of care. And so a lot of my clients are on, on Medicare and on Medicaid, but that doesn't mean that the nursing homes aren't still receiving a ton of money mm -hmm. through reimbursements and through Medicare and Medicaid. And like I said earlier, if there is ever a point where I see it a lot when I'm doing these cases because often it's years and years after the fact. And so my client either has passed away or my client is either still living in the home and, and still dealing with the injuries that they suffered from. And when you're that far removed, lots of times you hear the defense say, well, these types of injuries were unavoidable. Mm. And you, you can't, unavoidable is a very specific term that has specific legal and medical definitions uh, associated with it. And the gist of it is you can't, you can't just say something's unavoidable because it happened. You have to be able to prove that you did everything you could to actually prevent it. And if you assessed the individual, made a plan, implemented that plan, but then also continually reassessed and mm -hmm. redeveloped. It's not just a one-step process. If you find out that the plan's not working, you're expected to change the plan. And if at some point along those lines, a step wasn't done, you can't in hindsight say, oh, well, this was unavoidable because it happened. Well, did you do everything you could to attempt to prevent it? In that case, potentially, we could try to say that it was unavoidable, I would say the vast majority of the time, it would be my, it would be my argument, at least, of course, I'm a bit biased being on one side. And mm -hmm. I'm sure my, 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 uh, my friends on the other side would say, alternatively, but I, I would say the vast majority of these types of injuries are very avoidable. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. What's up next? <clears throat> Number four, I sort of leaded into it a bit, but keeping track of names and keeping tracks of dates and details. Lots of times my clients do their best to sort of keep a bit of a journal. Uh, it inherently, and when you move forward with litigation or when you move forward with uh, any sort of uh, potential lawsuit relating to an injury, those notes are something that would end up having to be turned over to the defense because it's a very good insight into what was actually happening contemporaneously. Lots of times my clients like I said, it's years after the incident. And when you have some a loved one in a nursing home, my clients, the family members of the injured individual often are, are overwhelmed because there are so many names and so many dates and times and medical conditions and medications that it is hard to keep track of. So I find a lot of time nowadays, my clients are getting a bit more savvy with technology. So sometimes they have pretty creative ways to keep track of all of these things. But really, whatever works for you, I'm able to adjust to as the attorney. And as long as it's something that is useful for you in the moment, I, I say do whatever you can to keep track of things. It's lots of times along those along those lines of failing to communicate and Lots of times my family that, are, that I'm representing are very critical of the communication skills of the nursing staff and of the people that are taking care of their loved ones. But plenty of times it's not necessarily the individual staff members' faults themselves. 
unfortunately, in a lot of these homes, there are a lot of turnover, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's never it's never meant to downplay the difficult jobs that they have, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, I I routinely am sort of put on the fire and asked, well, how could I possibly think about uh, suing any sort of medical professional or nursing home or nursing facility during these crazy times with COVID? Uh, sort of putting a jab at me as to essentially saying, how could I dare sue these heroes? Mm-hmm. And to be, to be clear, there's never going to be a time where I don't say that they're heroes. The people taking care and on the front line, medical doctors, the nurses, they, they very much are heroes. I'm more so going after the facility as a whole, though, the licensee and the owner who is doing quite well during COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, there, there's no shortage of these nursing homes still making quite a bit of money. And the statistics are pretty unfortunate in showing how many nursing homes across the country are now being more and more privately owned by even venture capital companies Mm -hmm. and just these large conglomerations. And you can see quite clearly the quality of care and the increase of complaints rising with the uh, increase of private companies Mm -hmm. taking over these nursing homes. And so the more and more family members are able to keep track of names, keep track of those details, the easier it is come me getting involved to be able to hear at least their side of the story, because otherwise they may not remember specific details, understandably so years later, but also without those notes or without those contemporaneous memories, uh, the only side of the story I'll be able to see in writing are the medical records that the nursing home provides. Mm -hmm. And And although nursing home records and medical records in general are a great resource and a great tool for me to evaluate a case. I just filed a case the other day where somebody was discharged from a nursing home and the doctor, two nurses and a nurse practitioner over the course of the next two weeks continuously went back into that person's medical records to falsify and fraudulently change different records. And so the, the crazy thing is nowadays it's pretty hard to miss it because everything's electronic. Right. And so I can see I can see somebody on a Wednesday, two weeks later, trying to claim that they remembered what happened two weeks prior mm-hmm. when they gave somebody a certain medication. And what it really is unfortunate thinking about is if that's what they're doing now, do you really think that that's the first and only time that they've ever done it? And also, back in the days when everything was handwritten, I can only imagine the days when, oh, we accidentally lost a piece of right. the medical records. Yeah. I'll just I'll just redraft it on my own, and who would ever know the difference? Right. So the more and more I'm able to see a contemporaneous and sort of more objective uh, side of the story from my client, that's always a, a great resource for me if I do need to pursue with litigation. Wow. Super important stuff. Yeah. So what's number five? Number five, my number four was a little bit related to asking the questions, being just aware of the medications and the treatment that your loved ones are receiving. Uh, 
But then number five is, and it maybe seem a, a little commonsensical on my end, but consult with an attorney as early as possible when you have any sort of concern relating to your loved one's care. I, I, I don't ever get paid unless I'm able to be successful on behalf of my client. So I always try to tell clients, prospective clients, and just my network as a whole that there really is no harm in reaching out to me if you even have a question or if you have any sort of concern relating to your loved one's care. And any attorney like myself who handles these nursing home type cases are, are likely going to have a similar type of fee arrangement because you can imagine that if individuals had to pay attorneys out of pocket to prosecute these types of lawsuits, nobody would ever bring these types of lawsuits. Right. The, the same people that are more susceptible to nursing home abuse because they can't afford the absolute best quality of care aren't going to then be able to afford an attorney to help hold those types of nursing homes accountable. So I'm always happy to get involved, even if it's not a matter of concerns um, for your loved one's care, but you're just trying to be proactive, like we talked about earlier, and see whether a nursing home is even a good option. I, I always try to say people come to me sometimes asking, even before they put a, their loved one into a nursing home, have you have you heard of this nursing home? Do you have any opinions about this nursing home? And usually if I haven't heard of the nursing home, it's probably a good sign. <laughs> because <laughs> yes. if I have if I have heard of them, I probably have a number of opinions about them. And this goes a little bit to my other presentation that I, I'll go into a little bit later, but I, um, I, I, there are a lot of resources out there, even aside from just talking to me, to make sure that you're really doing your due diligence before you trust a facility with your loved one's care. Uh, and when it comes to consulting with an attorney, there's a lot of things that I can do to help the process along. Everybody has the right to their own medical records, but... I do see trends where nursing homes sometimes drag their heels and try to kind of make it a bit more of a difficult process for the family and make them jump through a bunch of hoops, even though they have absolutely the right to their loved one's nurse or their loved one's medical records. Often I find once I get involved, they, they tend to <laughs> be more uh, willing to turn over the medical records because they know that the next step would be would be me filing complaints or, or filing uh, issues with them with the Illinois Department of Public Health. And, and every state has a similar type of entity like the Illinois Department of Public Health to try to make sure that these nursing homes are, are following ultimately the law. So, Love it. Wow, these are great. I love the fact that this is information that really you want to know before, like you said, before you even put anyone in a nursing home. These are great things to know for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so and much. And I'd say, of course, and I, I would say just in conclusion, one of the one of the most concerning things I hear about also are, I'll get calls sometimes about just anything and everything in a nurse. I'll get calls that somebody's concerned that their mother's shirt was stolen. I honestly believe that it probably was stolen, whether it was from another resident or from staff or whatever. But I'll hear this call coming in for that, which although it's 
unfortunate and not in any way permissible. It, it would be hard for me to file a lawsuit solely over a, a stolen shirt. Mm. But they'll be, they'll be talking about that, and then in the course of that, they'll mention the uh, huge bloody wound that their mother has. That that's the whole reason why they were trying to look for their shirt, and mm. they'll, they'll sort of they'll sort of brush over that because they're so focused on the missing shirt that they won't talk about the huge bed sore that their mom has. Mm -hmm. And I find that in society, people are really taught that filing a lawsuit is just the absolute worst thing you can ever do. And it's a, it's a sort of perception that is very much promulgated by insurance companies and big corporations. And, and there's a reason why people think that the McDonald's hot coffee case is about a, a greedy old lady that wanted just millions and millions of dollars and not just a person who had third degree burns on her genitals because of how horribly hot the coffee was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the more and more you're able to sort of proactively, like we talked about, proactivity is really just is the sort of common theme of looking out for your loved one and looking out for yourself. The, the most common cases I deal with are, are bed sore cases. I have clients that uh, suffer from malnutrition, dehydration in a nursing home, which is inherently just one of the saddest things, somebody dying of thirst because they weren't being given water, mm -hmm. because they weren't being given food, so they malnutrition. Uh, I deal with sexual assault cases in the nursing home Really, any way that things can go wrong in the nursing home, I've probably seen it. And it's always best to try to just proactively uh, talk with an attorney as soon as possible. Wow. Thank you so much. This has been really informative. I appreciate your time so much. Tell um, our cool. listeners again how they can reach out to you. And wow, it's important information. And I'm, I'm hoping that someone listening will do that reach out to you because you will consult and it's not going to cost them anything, but tell the listeners how they can reach out to you again, Jared. Of course. And and as I mentioned, I'm located in Chicago, Illinois, but I'm always happy to talk with anybody from anywhere relating to any potential issues. My law firm is RM Law Group, LLC. My website is www.rmlawfirm.com. And my email address is jr at rmlawfirm.com. And my direct line is 312-508-3296. And again, it does not cost anything to call me, email me. I'm always happy to talk, even if it's just a simple question. Thank you so much for your time. Very valuable information. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who's been listening to the podcast and showing us mad love and giving us ratings and subscribing and reviewing. I really appreciate your support. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review and let us know how we're doing.